Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. All genuine Christian experience is based on truth. The truth or reality conveyed in Scripture forms the base or foundation of all our real spiritual experience. Peter's first epistle in the New Testament very much illustrates this point. The first 12 verses in chapter 1 lay out some of the great truths of the whole Bible, such as our being chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, and our being regenerated unto a living hope, and unto an incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance, an inheritance that Peter shows us should be our portion not just in eternity, but also today. Then in verse 13, Peter goes on to tell us that based upon all these rich divine truths, we should gird up the loins of our mind and soberly set our hope on the grace that is ours at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we take Peter's way, if we give ourselves to the word in this way, we will find that our own love and experience of the Lord, as well as our love for one another, will be greatly enriched and strengthened as well. Francis Paul has joined us as we continue our fellowship in this life study of 1 Peter. We're still in chapter 1, Francis, but it seems like there's a lot here in this chapter to spend our time on, isn't there? I've really enjoyed getting into this, Chris. There is a lot here, a lot of eternal values, a lot of eternal revelation that has a lot to do with our practical living day by day. I think, as you pointed out, these verses are really bringing us into an eternal hope that will not pass away. You mentioned, Francis, that even affect our living, our daily life. Actually, one of the verses we want to focus on today uses a phrase, uh, different translations render this uh, a little bit differently, but many of them use the phrase that, as it comes across to us in the recovery version, manner of life. Let me read verse 15. It says, but according to the Holy One who called you, you yourselves also be holy in all your manner of life. I read some of the other translations say, in your way of living, in your behavior. But it really implies uh, our day-to-day carrying on of our Christian life uh, before all those that the Lord places us around. And there's a call here to a very high standard or a high manner of living, isn't there? I think there's more in this passage than I ever dreamed, Chris, because it sets before us the eternal divine truths. And then based on those truths, it brings us into a living, a manner of living, as you put it out. Yeah, it's a manner of living, and it uh, the adjective here is one that we shouldn't overlook, holy manner yeah, of living. Right. And, of course, we know in all the universe there's really only one that's holy, isn't there? Right, that's right. Well, I don't uh, – we add verse 22 to this, Francis, and then we'll go ahead and join Witness Lee uh, with the first portion of today's program. Verse 22 says, Since you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth unto unfeigned brotherly love, love one another from a pure heart – fervently. So we have uh, 12 verses that we've covered already uh, that open up this chapter that lay out these great foundational truths uh, and present our portion, an eternal inheritance that's being kept for us in the heavens, but that's really our portion to enjoy today. 
But based upon all of this, it will issue in a kind of living, a manner of life that's holy, that matches even God himself. The depth of the truth and uh, how profound Peter's writings are here is really extraordinary, isn't it? And it's much like what God in the Old Testament. Be holy as I am holy, God told the children of Israel. So this points out the same obligation, I would say, but the provision is here right. that we never realized before. Yeah. And that the children of Israel in the Old Testament never quite realized either, right. I think, if you look that's at their right. history. Well, we don't want to repeat that history. We have another history before us, and that's the history that uh, is ours by our entrance into the reality of all these great truths. Why don't we join Witness Lee, Francis, and we'll come back. In the first 12 verses, all the points are big and vast concerning the divine side. Now, in the second half of this chapter, 13 verses, here all the points are detailed. And all the points, the detailed points, are concerning us on the human side. You have to divide this chapter into two sides. The divine side, the first part of 12 verses, and the human side, This part is of 13 verses. This human side mainly compresses of two points. Number one, a holy manner of life. To live a holy life. And number two, brother love. You may say, my goodness, these are two small points. Brother love, the brother loving one another. And to have holy life? So, in the first 12 verses, what is unveiled to us are the big items on the divine side. The foreknowledge, the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has regenerated us into a living hope. Big item. And this living hope is an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading, and kept in the heavens. My, too big item. But from verse 13, you have small items, small items, to build up these two things. What two things? The holy manner of life and the brother love. These two small things are the issues, the results. You know, in this section, the title is The Full Salvation of the Triune God and Its Issues. What are the issues? The issues are just a holy manner of life and brother love. It's so simple. Well, Francis, we have these great truths, profound truths, in the first 12 verses. Then the remaining verses in chapter 1 have just these two seemingly small things, a holy manner of life and a kind of brotherly love that's unfeigned. But two things that I'd like you to address. Number one, the order here. It starts with the divine side and then brings us to the human side. And sometimes we get that order mixed up in our own approach. Mm -hmm. And secondly, this word issue that he uh, emphasized, 
these things are the issue of something, aren't they? That's a wonderful fact I think we get here, uh, Chris, is that we get this as an issue, not as the obligation in the first hand. In other words, God is supplying us with all that's necessary to have a holy manner of life and to love one another. He doesn't require that of us without Him being the source. But He shows us in those first 12 verses that this supply is available to us. Mm. To have this kind of living is a part of God's grace to us. And so we should be comforted by this, but we shouldn't be relaxed in that (laughs) we should have a desperate realization and a desperate anticipation of actually living a holy manner of life based on the fact that these eternal things have all been accomplished, not only accomplished in eternity, but accomplished item by item in time as well. So I feel like, uh, Chris, we have a wonderful message here, supplying and demand. The supply is before the demand, (laughs) and the demand is linked and taken care of by the supply. So this holy life that is God himself can be lived out through human beings. Let's take just another minute on that point, holy manner of life. We may have our own kind of definition of what that means. Uh, we may be satisfied as, as Christians to be kind of proper people and we pay our taxes and we don't steal the nickel and dime things at the supermarket when we're standing in line there. And we may consider this is enough to qualify, but uh, this word holy is never used in a light way in scripture, is it? No, that is one name for God. He's God is holy. And he says, be holy as I am holy. Now, how can you do that? God is the only one who's holy, and he's telling us to be holy as I am holy. But we mustn't forget all the provision that's made for this is the very nature of God, the very regeneration that's accomplished by the Father, the redemption that's supplied to us by the Son, and the application of this holy life to us as the Holy Spirit. So we have an adequate supply for living out the kind of life that he's requiring. Well, that's tremendous, isn't it? We really see the full salvation that Peter is talking about at work here, not just our initial salvation. Francis, uh, we have these 12 verses, as we pointed out. Verse 13 starts out with, uh, depending on which uh, translation you read, either wherefore or therefore, both convey, I think, the same thought. I'm going to read therefore, as that's what we have in the recovery version, which we're using today. Therefore, girding up the loins of your mind and being sober, set your hope perfectly on the grace being brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's uh, join Witness Lee. He's going to help us gird up the loins of our mind. Wherefore, mm-hmm. girding up the loins of your mind. What does this mean? <laughs> Don't be loose. Where? Don't be loose in your mind. I tell you, Nearly all the saints, including all, and me, our mind is like what? I have no word to illustrate. Oh, I'm in London now. Oh, Hong Kong now. Oh, Taipei Airport. You know what? Do you know what I mean? Right away, my mind is traveling. Say, <laughs> coming to the table, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, this is table. Oh, I have bought a pair of shoes. (laughs) 
Lord, thank you, Lord. We are not feasting. We are not feasting on you. Right away, I just got a pair of high heel shoes. <laughs> Probably the heels are not so high. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. You are so precious. <laughs> I heard the missile travels around the globe. So fast. Your mind is faster than that. The most fast thing is your mind. It is much, much faster than the missile. So Peter says, Okay, I have presented you all the big divine items in the first 12 verses. Only two sentences. But in these two sentences, I, Peter, have presented you all the wonderful as I have presented to you all these big and vast atoms, wherefore, wherefore, girding up your mind. Don't let your mind be so loose, traveling around the globe. Well, Francis, in Peter's day, of course, uh, I don't think he probably even had the word missile. Uh, but I bet he'd had this experience, particularly when we read in the Gospels about a lot of his experiences uh, with the Lord. It seems like he suffered nearly all the same things we suffer. So I'm going to assume when he said, gird up the loins of your mind, he knew what it was to have a, a mind that was difficult to rein in, didn't he? I think his word here, his writing here is full of personal experience. And I know for myself, I've had the same experience Brother Lee was talking about. Of course, I didn't think about New York and Tokyo and all those places because I hadn't been there. <laughs> but I thought about a lot of ways my mind wanders here and there. And not wanders, it suits. It, it's like a, uh, like you said, a missile right. that's been just released, and it goes every direction at once. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this uh, admonition to gird up the loins of our mind is very, very important for our Christian living. Because our minds are so active and so loose, so running here and there, that it's almost impossible to imagine yourself girding up the loins of your mind. But with the previous verses that we've seen, right. we realize that this supply is really with God himself to us, so that we do have the strength and the way to gird up our mind and not let it control us. Yeah, I appreciate that. He didn't write this admonition in a vacuum. He didn't start the chapter with gird up the loins of your mind and do it soberly. But he gives us these preceding items that we've been talking about in the first 12 verses that we have something to set our mind on, in other words, don't we? And he actually says, set your mind on the hope and the grace that will be revealed oh, yeah. at the coming of Christ or the grace at the revelation of Christ. Amen. His words are much better than mine, but I was impressed by them nonetheless. Well, if you say, gird up your minds... And according to the hope that is in you, yeah. with this hope that he's given us, which is really the promise of his grace to see us through to the end, we have something to lay hold of for our mind to be occupied and limited by. At times it takes, again, we don't want to uh, overemphasize the human side, but at times it takes the exercise of the will, doesn't it, to rein in our mind. It's just, as you said, it's been launched like a, a missile and traveling so many directions at once. It takes an act of will sometimes just to kind of rein it in, but to get it set on mm -hmm. these divine things, the things really of God and of Christ and that are revealed to us in his New Testament economy particularly, pretty soon the mind begins to be under our ruling, doesn't it? Yes. 
Our mind, our will, and our emotions are all parts of our inner being that need to be under the control of the Spirit. Right. So when he talks about the grace and the supply that we have and the wisdom of God and so on, this equips us for our mind to be brought into control. Francis, let's continue with the next couple of verses here in chapter 1. Uh, we're going to come back to this matter of uh, being holy as he is holy. Uh, that's actually verse 16. It says, Because it is written, You shall be holy because I am holy. And if you call as Father the one who without respect of persons judges according to each one's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear, knowing that it was not with corruptible things, with silver or gold, that you were redeemed from your vain manner of life handed down from your fathers, but with precious blood Mm -hmm. as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, the blood of Christ. Oh, tremendous. Tremendous. I am so thankful for this whole matter coming to this point of reminding us of the blood of Christ. Let's pick that up, Francis, uh, after we join Witness Lee for a few minutes. Verse 16, it is written, You shall be holy because I am holy. Peter quotes from the Pentateuch. In the Pentateuch, Moses said a number of times, God says, you have to be holy. Because he is holy. And if you call the one as father, who, without respect of persons, judges. Now, Peter touches God's government. Thus far, this is the first point that Peter touches his point. He rages at his point. And his point is the government of God. And the judgment of God is to carry out God's government. You call one. You call upon one as your father. And this one judges. Judges fairly. No respect of person. He judges. He governs according to each one's word. If you do call upon this one, you have to pass the time, this is Peter, the time of your sojourning. This has a deeper sense, a broader sense. You have to pass the time. That means in every minute, in every second, in every minute, in every second, you have to behave, walk in fear, in a holy fear. Of God. You have to fear God. Don't be so low. Why you have to do this? Because you know. You see the following verse. Is a modifier. Why you pass your time. Of sojourning in fear. Because you know. That you were redeemed. Not with corruptible things silver or gold from your vain man of life handed down from your fathers the holy man of life should issue from the dear and precious redemption of Christ as you know that you were redeemed with such a high price 
Francis, you made mention of Peter's use of the term here, the precious blood of Christ. And in this portion we just listened to, Witness Lee connects our appreciation of the preciousness of the blood of Christ with the way that we conduct ourselves in the time of our sojourning. Uh, We had a program about this the other day as we touched this verse a little bit, but it's a point worth coming back to. This is really marvelous, isn't it? This is marvelous and very, very practical. I know recently I've had things come to my mind, my wild mind, Mm -hmm. that caused me to realize that I was acting completely out of the realm of the remembrance of my redemption. Yeah. So when I considered, again, the blood of Christ was shed for me, I have been redeemed, I was empowered then to turn my attention to living a holy life and free myself from all of these remembrances and thoughts that crowd into my mind. So I believe this is a very precious thing. The death of Christ was accomplished at a certain time in history. Right. And that accomplished our redemption. And that act actually was an eternal supply. Wow. It doesn't lack anything. It is eternal. It never fades with time. This redemption is absolutely eternal. Mm. Our being redeemed is a matter of eternity. And for this, we must give thanks. And by this, we are empowered to gird up the loins of our mind, to set our hope on what's set before us, and to live in the light of the grace that's been provided to us and is still being provided to us. So all these things that are accomplished by the divine life in the first verses we covered today are being supplied to us simply by our dwelling on Christ as our supply. God is our Savior and our Father. Christ is our Redeemer, and the Spirit is our Applier. So all of these things that have been accomplished in God's eternal plan are all eternal matters, and they are still very active and with us today to be lived out through us. Really good. You mentioned, Francis, the uh, eternal aspect of the offering of this most precious blood by Christ Mm -hmm. on the cross. And in Hebrews, it makes a similar reference where it talks about entering into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus, which he opened for us as a new and living way, or literally in the Greek, a freshly slain way. It's as if to God, this blood of Christ, this most precious blood has just freshly, newly been offered, and it will remain that way through eternity. Eternity, right. Boy, that's marvelous. Well, Francis, uh, the fellowship today has touched uh, these great things on the divine side, uh, some smaller things on our side, our manner of life and the brotherly love, but the linkage between them, uh, to me, has been what I've really enjoyed today. I would say the same, that that linkage has given us a lot of encouragement, a lot of assurance that the Lord's grace will never come to an end. Well, we're going to uh, set our mind on that grace, Francis. How about that? Amen. And uh, out of that, there'll be a produce, an issue, uh, hopefully. That's it. Holy a living a, a and loving brothers. Amen. Amen. Francis, good to have you always, and I hope you'll come back a number of times as we have uh, all these programs before us in the life study of First and Second Peter, so you have a standing invitation. It's good for me, and it's a good opportunity to be with you. Well, Thank you very much. Look forward to the next time. We hope also you'll join us day by day as we move our way. We take our sojourning through the books of uh, First and Second Peter. If you'd like to get the printed life study messages, we invite you to call us toll-free 
1-888-LIFE-STUDY is the number. That is 888-543-3788. Also, you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And if you'd like, you could send email to us as well. Our email address is simply radio at lsm.org. And do try to be with us tomorrow and the rest of this week and for the next several weeks to come as we continue on in our life study of First and Second Peter. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks so much for listening today. The New Testament is a marvelous and clear revelation of God's purpose and plan. In 1984, Witness Lee spoke a series of 51 messages based on God's New Testament economy, which is his plan to dispense himself into his chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people as their life and everything to produce the body of Christ, which is his corporate expression as golden lampstands in this age and ultimately as the New Jerusalem for eternity. These messages have been printed in the book, God's New Testament Economy. God's New Testament Economy by Witness Lee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.